Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at MNDriveInPod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to TheMidnightDriveIn at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food and drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. Drive away your worries and cares at this drive-in theater. That's why, to familiarize you with the movie rating symbols which will be used by this theater, we present the following guide for parents and young people. X, no one under 17 admitted. I should put three and four on the list just to piss you guys off. I've never seen them, so I wouldn't be too pissed off, but I mean... Well, not until after, after, uh, well. after I watched them. I did watch the trailers, and I kind of have an idea of what we'd be in for. <laughs> These three has... It's Henriksen in it, but even that, I don't think is enough to save movies anymore. You know who's great? He should just—he's one of those people. He should just be in. Yeah, he just should. Like, but him being in something anymore is—I'm just a looking at the quality. list of movies. Uh, oh. Well, I mean, now he's just an old man cashing checks. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That doesn't—it doesn't help movies that he's in. We could do uh, another Son of Sam the Zodiac Killer since they think they've identified who the Zodiac Killer is. Do they actually think they have or is that just one of those ones where somebody decided we needed a headline? Uh, I think someone was actually able to decipher one of his ciphers. But Hmm. seems they've put stuff out. But I mean, there's I don't know. They're going to be as definitive as they're going to be, probably, because the dude died, like, in 2015 or something, so it's not like he could, like, fess up to it. Exciting. Hey, you guys, you know what's better than real-world murder? Not real-world murder. Well, Fantasy murder. Movie murder. I don't so, know. I was just waiting for Doug to pick movies for next week. He'll figure it out by the end of the show. Better He'll hope so. figure it out by the end of the show. Don't you gaffigan at me. Do what I want. Call and pocket. Margo! Stop barking! Glad, glad you took care of that. That should solve the problem. Yeah, she won the bedroom. Uh, so, was that your segue, Noah? I, I don't know. What movies are we doing this week? Uh, Dane Hunter's <laughs> first and last appearance as uh, Jason. Mm hmm. Because for some reason, you guys didn't want to watch the other two. Because you were going to pick the bad ones. I I will argue to the end of the earth, those aren't the bad ones. I would argue you are wrong. We'll get to that. We'll actually get to that whenever we talk about one of these. But Out of the four of these movies, you're saying Jason goes to hell and Jason takes Manhattan are not the bad ones? I, I would argue they are not the worst one. You are on crack. This is insane. We're going to have a screaming match sometime during this episode. That's just been established. Here's here's the thing, though. Before we start that screaming match, I would like to establish the fact that I like all four of them. <laughs> all four of them are enjoyable movies. Dude, but I this, think, you, this you, ex- ob- explains I a think lot. objectively, one of these two is not a very good friend. Oh, my maybe, God. I maybe disagree. an okay movie in its own right. Is it is it one that's not even titled Friday the Thirteenth? So thus no. your whole theory is wrong. 
Yes, 100 <laughs> percent. Uh, well, Doug, why don't you tell us about Friday 13th Part 7? Friday 13th Part 7. Um, all right, so yeah, our hero you need to is... Go, you need to go into an intricate, detailed plot of what Friday 13th 7 is, because people won't know by the time we get to the seventh movie <laughs> of what is going on. Well, it's important to know that our hero is at the bottom of the lake after the uh, conclusion to the Tommy Jarvis trilogy, that is Parts 4, 5, and 6. That evil um, Tommy Jarvis sunk him to the bottom of the lake. Yes, motherfucker. Um, so After basically, sometime him from the dead, give the guy <laughs> a little credit. He finally, Look, just because you bring a guy back from the dead doesn't give you the right to kill him. Okay. Yeah, that um, guy. The guy got Horshack killed because he brought him along. <laughs> Are you guys almost done? Can I Sorry. do my plot now? <laughs> Yeah, go ahead. I don't know. So then some girl has magic powers and she kills her father in the same lake. And then like, I guess it's supposed to be like 11 years later, she decides to try to bring her father back, but she accidentally resurrects the wrong body that's in the very small lake that they don't bother to pull bodies out of after people die. Because <laughs> in this version of the sh- of the uh, of Crystal Lake, it's like very small. You can see across it, no problem. So the idea that there's two bodies that are there and haven't pulled them out just means nobody's trying. Uh, anyways, yeah, so Jason goes on his typical killing spree. He's having a lot of fun doing it. And then this chick's like, and again, we have another character who brings him back to life and suddenly changes her mind and starts trying to kill him again. Party pooper. I know. It's like, what the hell? So, I mean, after a relatively high number of kills even by friday the 13th standards <laughs> we end up with a nice uh, knockdown drag out fight between these two followed by the uh she finally manages to bring her dad back and we get the uh, monster squad ending of the dad popping up and dragging jason off because i still think they ripped this ending off of monster squad couldn't be not wrong um yeah that's our plot description Man, I want a modern day Monster Squad movie where like they're going up against Freddy and Jason and Chucky and the Cenobites. <laughs> so so do I. Yeah. yeah. Everybody wants that. The fact that we're not getting it is just wrong. Yeah, we sort of almost got a taste of it in the It movie. Because, uh, you know, in the original, they went and saw the Wolfman and then someone saw Pennywise as the Wolfman in school. And then uh, the idea was they were going to, as you, if you paid attention, Nightmare on Elm Street 5 was on the marquee of the local movie theater. There was talk since it's a Warner Brothers movie. Oh, of having, having, came yeah, having Freddy show up in the you know, Pennywise in a Freddy form. But they cool. decided it was too, uh, it would distract too much from the story. So they nixed it. They decided it was too awesome and decided not to do it. Exactly, right? The idea of not going ahead with the idea. If we put something that great in this film, it'll make the rest of the film look bad. (laughs) Fuck. Anyways, we're off topic already. And we haven't even discussed how great Jason looks in this movie. I was going to say, really, to condense it, it's just Carrie versus Jason. We can all accept that, right? Yeah. The filmmaker, a filmmaker, admitted that that's exactly what it comes down to. Yeah, 
I mean, I, I think the story is well known that they were already thinking about Freddy versus Jason. Since that wasn't an option, they just went looking for who else can he fight? And they came up with Carrie. And it's a yeah. good idea, quite frankly. Like, at, by the time we get to part seven, we're in full supernatural territory at this point. You know, you can't just go back to him being a hillbilly chopping up campers. So what do you do? You have to one up part six, which is where they literally brought him back from the dead and then used magic to send him back to his watery grave. So you bring in a magic character for him to fight. I think it's a really good idea. I think, again, we talk about this a lot, but the fact that they take such a ridiculous idea and they go, yeah, no, dead serious. We're going to play this deadpan serious. There's some jokes and some comic relief characters in the background, but at no point is there any humor involved in the fact that this is Jason fighting a telekinetic teenage girl. Well, and they don't, uh, you know, some of the other later films tried to break the mold and get away from the the teenagers fucking in the woods, getting murdered thing. In this one, they were like, listen, there's a telekinetic girl and... There's teenagers fucking in them woods. Yeah, <laughs> and they got to die. Well, your use of the term teenagers is very loose terminology. <laughs> I'm not sure if any of these well, people qualify. Teen- teenagers in their early forties fucking in the woods. I do like that. Uh, the, this movie completely fucks up the Friday Thirteenth timeline as well. Um, because it was, it would suppose that. Uh, Jason was under that lake for like a good at least 10, 15 years. Well, see, I find that's an interesting discussion because I don't know what the official answer to this is and I don't want to know because it's more fun to not know. But can are we allowed to assume that the dad was under there before Jason got put under there? It's like when Tommy put Jason under there, there was just already another body in that lake that we didn't know about until now. See, I think that is the acceptable interpretation. Yeah. Because otherwise, this movie takes place in, like, 2002. <laughs> which just makes no fucking sense whatsoever. Not, not with the fashion decisions these people make. <laughs> right. So I think the trick is, he died pre the events of, I think, all of the franchise. All of what, the franchise? First, yeah, because, what, the first, the first film takes place in 1983? 1980 or, or no 79 right yeah sure yeah okay so maybe maybe yeah. not maybe not pre the first one then i think jason didn't he died in 65 maybe like originally yeah Anyways. yeah something like that because it's it's 79 and then those three movies like take place in very short order from each other yeah. Which I think so, takes you through like the next year or something, and then it jumps a year to go to four. I think no, four takes place immediately after the end of three because they okay, drive yeah, by, yeah, yeah. drive by four's the police. Co- at four's the complicated though. Yeah, four's complicated though because Jason wakes up in the hospital because he wasn't dead after all, and no one bothered to check his pulse when they found him in that yeah. barn at the end of three, and. Uh, when he gets back to the lake, everything's cleaned up. So some time has passed, but we're not really told how much time. Yeah. But I mean, everyone's back to just hanging out at that lake. So some amount of time has passed (laughs) and it's just not explained how many, how long. Yeah. And then there is, people are just out there partying at the lake, like two weeks after the murders. So there has to have been a a gap, right? I was going to say, and then there has to be the time jump between 
four in Roy killing people. Yeah. Because yeah. he goes he goes from Corey Feldman to a somewhat grown a person. Right. He goes from like 10 yeah. to like 17 or something like that. So yeah. and you have to factor in that in part five, it's explicitly stated that Jason's body was cremated. Yes. So we don't know how long it takes to those ashes to reform into a human corpse and then get buried in the graveyard for the beginning of part six. <laughs> Listen, continuity ain't that strong. Which, which someone theorized, threw out a fan theory of what if everything zombie Jason forward is actually zombie Roy, but we're just playing it off as Jason. Cause they no, did, because they did, they cremated his body. So yeah, I was going to say in, there's in this there's, movie, when his mask does come off, you can clearly see the scars from the wounds he took in parts three and four. I know, but it's still fun. So, I was going to say, and at the beginning of the movie, whenever she's running around, the sign says Camp Crystal Lake, which would mean it had to take place before the rest of the Jarvis trilogy, because the fil- the lake gets renamed. Yeah. Yeah, it does become... Well, does the lake get renamed or just the camp? The area. It gets renamed to like Forest Glen or whatever. Forest Green, yeah. Forest Green, yeah. So my, my assumption is this between first... first <laughs> listen, between first Tommy Jarvis and second and, and Roy, that is my assumption of when her dad goes in. Oh, That's reasonable. Okay. You, said, you said before franchise, though, so... so well, I, I, I missed... I missed that. I I was thinking that the first one was eighty four, but that's not that's not right. The first one okay. was seventy one. Fair enough. Which would put this late eighties, early nineties. Which actually makes yeah. sense rather than You know what? Makes not as much twenty twenty forty five or whatever the fuck we get to if we do the dumb shit. Makes about as much sense as anything else in this franchise. Yeah. The most important thing, best looking Jason. Yes. Yes. That Agreed. is the the most important thing is Jason wakes up in that lake. He struggles to come free. And when he comes walking out and you see him from behind and you can see his fucking skeleton through his suit, even though it's illogical that he'd be so big if he still got, if you can see his skeleton, it is right away. You're just like, oh my God, they finally went and made Jason look fucking amazing. My, my only complaint about seven in general is I feel like they pull their punches with the kills. Well, there's I think, a, yeah. There's, there's a lot of, you see the thing swing and it cuts away. It's famously, this the only version that exists of this movie is cut back. Yeah. And like apparently, all, apparently all the footage is lost, so they can never restore it. But Sad. yeah, it, it is not that there aren't great kills in this movie. There are some fantastic ones. But you can tell it's a little bloodless can, for what right. they were going for. Is this the one where he punches through a dude's back? Yep. That's pretty awesome. rad. That guy has a no, machete. Kills, wants like, his machete. Yeah, the, no, the kills are all rad. We just don't get a lot of on-screen gore. And uh, I would say that's part of the joy of the Friday the 13th franchise is is the gore. Like the over-the-top, not Howard-esque not yeah, <laughs> kill scenes i would like to see a little more gore in this movie uh but that having been said the kills are clever they're original the atmosphere of the film works quite well we have 
a really solid performance from Kane Hodder. He, I think he brings a lot to the character. If you watch six and seven back to back, you really notice the improvement of this version of Jason, the way he walks, the way he reacts to things that happen around him. It's all, it feels more like a character and less like just a guy in a mask. If that makes sense. Nice. Yeah, I agree. So I, I, He's, he's like, got like that walking gate that convinces you that if there was anything in his way, he would just walk right through it. Yeah, exactly. I love that walk. And it's that weird thing, too, where he's like, he'll be walking and he won't break into a run at any given time. Or even a fast walk. But then if somebody's getting away, he will just hurl a projectile at them. It's not like he's <laughs> going to let you get away, but he's just. He's so calm at this point. I guess it is part seven, right? He's just very confident in his ability to kill. You know, you're, this is what be the fifth movie where he's killing people actively, and he's just he has he has something about him. Just he's Jason fucking Voorhees at this point. I mean, he does not give a shit. He will take you down. Yeah. Especially if you're a house full of teenagers having the premarital sex. Yeah. Well, to be fair, a lot of the premarital sex takes place in that van. Which one of the one of the things that nobody brings up about this for this particular installment is just the fact that there's a van out front and whenever people want to fuck, they go out to it and it's just a rotating fuck van. Multiple couples go out there to fuck. It's weird. I do have to say my greatest regret in life is whenever I was a teenager, I didn't have a sweet ass fuck van. I mean, I'm not saying it wouldn't have been cool. It would have just been depressing where you're just sitting alone in your van going, oh, man, I got the van and everything. Why am I here by myself? You can call it depressing, but what about my sick wizard painted on the side? <laughs> it's a solid point. Um, <laughs> anyways, so what are people's uh, favorite kills in this one? Well, should we say besides the sleeping bag kill? Because yeah, I mean, it's besides obviously the, the best one. Kill. Yeah, yeah. Easily the sleeping bag kill is the best one. Super, um, super iconic. Well, I fucking when, love that kill. When he kills Bernie from Weekend of Bernie's with that uh, weird saw blade on a weed whacker looking contraption. Yeah, like the industrial strength weed whacker. <laughs> yeah, yeah it's supposed rad. to be some kind of like brush clearing saw, but I've never seen one that looks quite like that. Me neither. It's, it's a little bit more mean than all the ones I've ever seen in my life. I just like the Jason usually just, it's like a machete. So it's just like, well, I just swing this and people's heads come off. This one, he was in the tool shed. He's like, ooh, nice. Grabs it. <laughs> Probably revs it up a couple times on his own. It's like, yep, starts up nice and good. I'm a big fan of the tent spikes, too, because those are absolutely not sharp. <laughs> no, those tent spikes are not. If, if your tent comes with those kinds of spikes, those are. I, you've bought a tent that's designed for a serial, serial killer. That's the only purpose for those. <laughs> like those are not designed to hold a tent down, but it's okay. It's fine. It's the kind you got to use a hammer to nail them in. Yeah. Um, still, most of them are just little pieces of plastic. Uh, but it's okay. I mean, I think what we're getting at here is the fact that we have a 
a special effects guy. They're like, you want to direct a movie? And he's like, yep. So I'll <laughs> do some kick-ass makeup on Jason and we'll invent all these cool killing tools. And then you're like, all right, all right, it's, go ahead. I'm down for it. It's not even a kill in the movie, but the scene where she uses her mind powers to like tighten his uh, mask until it starts like crushing his skull and pus and goo starts oozing out of his head. Yeah. That's so good. That pus is such a nice touch. Like, whoever made the decision to just, like, have it squeeze around his head like that and all that gooey grossness come out, great idea. Soupy. And I do think the... Pimple juice. I do think the face looks pretty cool underneath. It does look like a decomposed version of the Jason we saw in like part two or part four. Mm. I agree. He, uh, if you watch the special features on any of the DVD sets, he said he specifically worked in as much damage from previous movies as he could come up with. So yeah. yeah, yeah. No, like, like I said, the, the chop from the ax and the chop from the machete are very obvious. Um, you know, other stuff. I'm not sure how, how clear uh, it is, but, Propeller to the face is why I like that one side of his face. You see more of his like his oh, yeah. teeth and his jaws and stuff that he got the propeller from part six. Okay. Yeah, because yeah, his mask is broken a little bit from that too, right? Yeah. I need to I need to rewatch six. Six is one of the ones I've probably seen fewer times than the others. Yeah, that's a lot of fun too. Yeah, it's fun. It's just a straight up comedy. And that's yeah. the thing you gotta remember about part six. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Tom McLaughlin talks that he put he put jokes in there for people to yell out in in the audience when they were watching the movie in the movie theater. Yeah. Um. Yeah. <laughs> How much do we like the final fight between Jason and Carrie in this movie? Or sorry, Tina. I guess I should call her by her real name. <laughs> I think it's pretty. I think it's pretty great. I mean, it's one of the better climaxes. Yeah, I love it. it Usually the climax is there looks like a lull and then somebody whacks him with something. That's pretty much the Yeah. Yeah. But I yeah. like the um I like the fact that he the battle goes on for a while and she like she keeps thinking she's keep keep him down and it doesn't. Like she electrocutes him at some point. That doesn't work, which we know it's not gonna work because we know electrocution brings him back to life, doesn't kill him. Yeah. Uh, but she doesn't know that. And then she collapses that uh, porch on him. I love that part. Which almost uh, almost hurt Kane Hodder in real life because they did not did fact. Yeah, they didn't factor in the weight of it when it was falling. So <laughs> when it hit him, like he shoved him like to the ground, like he thought he would be able to like he'd have to play act a little bit. But he said if he was not wearing that hockey mask, because his face went right into the porch, that if he wasn't wearing that hockey mask, it would have like damaged his face probably. You know, they said the the one where she knocks him back and he falls through the stairs. I think like there's supposed to be a gap of like a couple of steps so that there's room for him to fall. And apparently he broke like the last of the fall away steps. So yeah. he's like, oh, missed his mark, but not by quite enough to oh. kill himself. So <laughs> Yeah, he got yeah, very lucky. Close enough. The other one was, yeah, when he jumps through the the big picture window. Like his head cleared like yeah. the top of the top of the picture, the window frame by like a quarter of an inch or something. Yeah, let's pretend that's on purpose, though. 
because it looks fucking cool. <laughs> it does look fucking cool. It's the only time when he looks kind of athletic in the movie, though, because it's like you can't just walk through a picture window like that. What about the fire at the end, too, when they light him up? That looks fucking cool. That guy yeah. burns for a while. I don't know if that's Kane Hodder under that or if they had a different stuntman under there, but he burns for a while and you're like right on camera and lighting him on camera too, which is something you don't see very often. The fact that they light him up where you can see him. I want to say that was, uh, that was Kane Hodder. Cause I think it ended up being like a world record or something like a longest, like on screen ignition burn. That seems like something he would do is try to yeah. set the record for that. Yeah. Yeah, so all the fireworks stuff is done really well. Yeah. Again, like, they really. Sorry. Well, some of the ahead. some of the, some of the later movies they didn't like when Ken Kersinger played him in Freddy vs. Jason. They didn't let him do all the firework because he was designated as an actor rather than stuntman. Yeah. Even though Ken Kersinger is a stuntman in real life, they're just like, no, you're actually playing the character, so we're gonna have to bring someone else in to do all the fire stuff. But I think this one, since, you know, Kane Hodder's Kane Hodder and he's friends with John Carl Buechler was able to be like, no, 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 no. I need to do this fire stunt because it's going to be amazing. What? Yeah, I didn't watch the credits, but I assume Kane Hodder is credited as stunt coordinator or something to that effect as well as starring in the movie. That wouldn't that's be just correct. an assumption because, I mean, really, that's what he's there for. Um, yeah, like that whole that whole like last 10 minutes when they're duking it out. And then he uses his teleportation powers to show up on the dock last minute when nobody somehow knows they didn't see him coming out. <laughs> it cracks me up that Jason has teleportation powers, but there's just there's no way to argue it. How else does he just show up on that dock? <laughs> well, I think the trick is there are brief moments in these movies where it is shown that he can actually be pretty fast and athletic. And I think it's more like the robot chicken thing where every time people turn their back, he's just hoofing it. I think that was a scene from uh, the rise of Leslie Vernon too, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Where he like parkours through the library to get ahead of her. What cardio, the? cardio, cardio. Yeah. I mean, like really, I think everything about this movie works. The climax is great. The kills are great. I find most of the characters are, either fun or dumb, but dumb in, in an intentional way. You know, well, has one of the best, uh, bitchy characters of the franchise. Yeah. What's her name? So, the short blonde hair. Yeah. Melissa. I think. Yeah. So when she gets an ax to the face, you're just like, yes. Yeah. yeah everybody wants her dead. <laughs> totally deserved. Totally worth it. Yeah. I will definitely say in, yeah. in, in, this is pretty easy that seven is the best of the supernatural Jasons. That I, would agree I think with. that's ghost though. Say, yeah, I don't right. have we any, can, we, can, we can argue if you include uh weird woodman mongoloid Jason. No, that's just, that's just hillbilly Jason. Right. Yeah. In, in, you gotta remember for the first four movies, he was never dead. There was just a lot of misunderstandings where they thought he was dead. He just yeah, it, just, it turns out getting cleaved halfway through your collarbone and taking an ax to the forehead just ain't enough. Yeah. Um, yeah. What do we think about the fact that they have that weird science fiction guy just wandering around the whole time doing dumb shit? Though. <laughs> well, you have <laughs> to a have weird, the weirdo. Right? You have to have the weirdo character. 
Is that like is that like after part four they have no choice but to have that one weirdo character because they hired Crispin Glover by mistake? And uh... I think so. <laughs> I think that guy is the Crispin Glover of this film. I accept that. I mean, he's no Crispin Glover, but he's fine. He's no dance skills. He also, I did notice something, and maybe maybe this is intentional or not. The dude from Stranger Things, who is uh, the older sister's boyfriend in the first season, I can't remember the guy's. Steve's but better. do you do you think Steve intentionally looks like this guy from this movie? Because it looks an awful lot like him, like their hair and stuff. I was like, hmm, I wonder if he did well, that. Well, he's on definitely. Purpose. The hair is definitely a reference to the type of hair that some of these characters are wearing. <laughs> oh, that's for sure. Anyway, part seven, super dope. It is rather rad. I think it's probably my favorite one of the series. It, it, there's days where it is for me. It's like, yeah. it, it's right up there. It's like this and two and four are probably like the ones that rotate, which one's my favorite. I really... I really like three if I'm in the right. Well, yeah, three is much more comedic. Um, you know, six is as well. And there's a place for that. I don't I don't dislike those movies at all, but it's just. It's like with the MCU, you know, you some people like the big space stuff and some people like the more grounded stuff. And that's how I am with Jason is I like the more serious versions. And then there's fucking Roy. God damn it, Roy. God damn it, Roy. You were the Halloween three of Friday the 13th. <laughs> Roy does get a couple of good kills in, but the thing is that overall that movie just isn't that good. I, I'll tell you what, I will always have a weird soft spot for that one, only because it was the one that they used to show on fucking like TBS all the goddamn yep. time. <laughs> and so I've probably actually seen it more than all the other ones. Yeah, it's also exactly. the one... It, it like, was new the first time I ever marathoned the series where I watched like one through five all in a row and it was the newest one at the time and I was way too young to be watching those. I mean, if, if that guy just would have ate his fucking candy bar and shut up, all of part five wouldn't have happened. That's right. I mean, the the only candy bar motivated Friday the 13th film. <laughs> it does have that going for it, I guess. I'm I mean, really no. in the mood for a candy bar motivated movie. I think I'll hop on to Friday the 13th part five. Cause it's really the only one. It's hard to think of another one, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Why couldn't he get a hockey mask that matched Jason's? Why did he have to get the blue on the hockey mask instead of the red? Is it so hard to go out and buy one with red marks in it? So you look just like Jason. Very frustrating. It's funny in the uh, Friday the 13th video game, usually at the end of every round, it'll have whatever Jason you selected, like Mother is calling him back to that weird put together shed out in the in the woods. You know, she's like, very good, Jason, come home or whatever. And it shows like a video of him walking back into his shack. But if he plays the Roy Jason, that doesn't happen. He just walks down the road into the distance very quietly, disappears, <laughs> just goes away. <laughs> yep. Whatever, I'm done here. It should just always end with him falling out of that barn. <laughs> Somehow. No matter like, what happens. Very good, Jason. You've won. Ah! <laughs> Roy. Damn it, Roy. Uh, <laughs> We're mildly off topic here, guys. That's fine. Anything who's else your least favorite character in part seven? That's what I want to know. Who's, who's the character in part seven you don't like? Is it the doctor? 
Is it the evil doctor that's a slime ball who just <laughs> constantly threatens to send her to the hospital for the rest of her life if she doesn't do what she's told? But Bernie is a, is a jerk. I don't see. I don't know, but I love jerks in these horror movies because then you can just root for them to die. Yeah, it's I the annoying. The it's whole. the. I was gonna say it's always the annoying character that fucking gets your hackles up. And this really oh. doesn't have one. Who's it the has, annoying character? I, I was gonna say I don't think it has one. Yeah, the, the, the guy girl that gets me. the guy that's Go late ahead. to his own surprise party. <laughs> Fuck that guy. Well, he didn't know. It's not. You can't be late to your own surprise party because you don't have a scheduled time to get to your own party if it's a surprise. Oh, fuck him. Uh, the, the girl that annoys me is the one that like gets all mad because people tell her she needs a touch-up and then she goes and touches herself up and then she goes, touch up my ass. I'm like, you just spent like an hour putting on makeup. Don't act like that doesn't qualify as a touch-up. <laughs> but, uh, but she... The- she she redeems herself by leading Jason into that shed where he finds a cool tool to kill the doctor with. So. <laughs> That's true. Without her, didn't have that awesome uh, gut churning <laughs> death scene. So I don't know. I, I have faith in Jason. I think he would have found that tool anyway. What do we think about the fact that they just, in order to give him back his machete in this movie, they just have a guy who brings a machete into the woods to chop wood with instead of an axe? <laughs> you know, everybody carries a machete for chopping firewood. Gotta cut through all that brush. Right. How do you guys? How do you guys feel about recommending seven to people as their virgin Jason starting point? Um, I I think it works. Because you, you get enough of the backstory at the beginning. They give you the flashback scene, right? So it's not like anyone's going to not know that he's down there and what, like how he got there. I think, you know, in a way where people who are new to horror might not appreciate a traditional slasher, you make it supernatural. I think they see it more as a horror film. So I, I have no problem with recommending this to a newbie. Yeah, it's, I, I was going to say it's interesting because it almost... In, in some ways, you need a little bit of backstory, but I, the clip at the beginning kind of, like you said, it shows you what you need sure. to know. Yeah. But my question is, is it too good to be a first watch? I don't know. I, I, I had this discussion with somebody before, and there's actually no good starting point for the Friday the 13th series, because each movie sets an improper expectation of what these movies are. <laughs> because <laughs> for all the talk that the friday the 13th series are just the same thing over and over again they're all completely different they right. all definitely set like their own tone like the first one is effectively a giallo and then the second one is a typical slasher the third one is a 3d comedy fourth one is like a legit horror movie the fifth one is candy bar inspired as we've discussed <laughs> Six is just back to comedy. Seven, back to horror. Yeah. With the sci-fi twist. Again, that might be kind of what I like about Seven is that it is a straight up horror movie in a way that very few of these films actually are. Yeah. Eight, moist Jason. <sighs> He's so moist through the whole thing. <sighs> Did you guys know they flood the New York sewers with toxic waste every night at midnight? <sighs> Do you guys know that you can 
drive a boat from Crystal Lake out to the ocean, even though in every other incarnation of the series, it's a lake that's self-enclosed. Yeah, it's a fairly small lake. Yeah. (laughs) Not to mention the fact that our zombified Jason can, in fact, drive a boat. Nobody even bothers to discuss where he picked up that skill. There's a cut scene from part eight. I want everyone to remember this, where Jason's just cruising there, wind in his lack of hair, tracking down, trying to figure out where these kids came from so that he can go kill all their friends. <laughs> Followed by a scene where he walks along the bottom of the ocean from wherever they knock him off the boat the rest of the way to New York City. <laughs> he just walks across the bottom of the ocean. Well, he doesn't even get knocked off the boat. He just decides to hop off the boat at some point. Because they all jump in the rowboat and take off. And he's just like, Look oh. at these bitches. What? Yeah. I guess that makes sense because he's not that experienced of a boatsman. He can only drive that little one, which is similar to a car. So <laughs> when it comes to that big one, you probably need a lot more expertise, I guess. I guess so. I don't know. But what he doesn't need, if we're done with part seven, is experience yeah, to learn how on. to fly a spacecraft. <laughs> Noah, do you want to tell us about Jason X? Sure. So we go into the near distant future (laughs) where Jason has now been imprisoned uh, after they've attempted to put him to death many times. And it doesn't it doesn't seem to work because they can't seem to figure out what the fuck a zombie is. I don't know. I want to see that movie so bad where they're just trying to kill Jason over and over again and he just won't fucking die and they're all getting mad. Just with Benny Hill music playing the entire time. I like that they imprison him. This is straight up like dark movie. Yeah. I like that they imprison him and they're like, well, let's, I mean, let's not be cruel. Let's let him keep his hockey mask. Uh, And then, so they decide since we can't kill him, we'll put him in cryogenic stasis, which will at least keep everyone safe from him. Although the body count they give him is like 200, which doesn't that seem freakishly low if we extrapolate how many people Jason's killing a year <laughs> over, over well, the we course of what, it, 40 years or whatever? So it depends on how long we he's on the bottom many, of the lake. Yeah, we don't know what, what he does in his off years. Maybe he takes time away. You don't know. I'm, okay, well, I suppose. Because at some uh, point, maybe people just stopped going near that lake, right? Maybe people were just like, maybe we just shouldn't go there anymore. Like that would have been the real solution to Jason is just build a big fence. <laughs> just nobody go near there. Anymore. That's his now. Yeah. Uh, and then, uh, but before he can be frozen, uh, Bagface shows up to demand his uh, immediate remission to the government so that they can study him and find out his mystical secrets of regeneration. That doesn't work out for anybody because it's Jason. So he just murders everyone. Uh, he goes into cryostasis, not before stabbing this chick in the gut. She gets in cryo. Then we jump into the even more distant future, which, <laughs> God damn it. Do we really have to start a movie in the future that's going to be set in the even more distant future? Well, <laughs> technically, this movie was set in the future when it was made, but those opening scenes take place in 2010. So it's the past now, if that makes you feel better. <laughs> ah, the few, the few, in the f- distant future past... Uh, yeah, 
And so they bring back girl. She says, oh, my God, did you bring him aboard? And they're like, yeah, but it's fine. And she goes like, no, he's going to get up and kill everyone. And they're like, that's not going to happen. And he gets up and kills everyone. <laughs> uh, and there's a robot who's a lady. Because uh, of course there is. Yeah. And then they do battle. And then he gets upgraded. Evil gets an upgrade, which which makes him into Jason Extreme because it was the nineties. I believe they called him Uber Jason. Two thousand one, Uber Jason. Two thousand one, still the nineties. It's like the sixties and seventies. There there are no lines between those two things. Uh, Yeah, Uh, and so this. Well, I feel like each Friday the Thirteenth movie is attempting to answer a question, right? And and then we get to these movies that are the what I like to think of as the non-canon movies. So like Jason goes to hell answers, what if Jason was all tumory and powered by a weird little demon snake? Mm-hmm. And then this one answers the question, what if Full Moon Pictures got the rights to Friday the Thirteenth and attempted <laughs> to make a Friday the Thirteenth movie? Because right, I mean that's what this is. No, no, no. Yes, no. Because one hundred percent down to the cheap soundtrack and the the. And in in a series not known for great acting, the acting in Jason X is fucking terrible. I will agree that the acting is kind of terrible. I tell you, like I think Kane Hodder's on point. I think that uh, what's his name, Brofsky or whatever, the head of security. I think his performance is solid. I think there's there's some okay acting going on here. That one, the blonde girl that he kills first, who is semi famous at the time, I believe. <laughs> That's the one who's in the uh, film for all. Four and a half minutes. Yeah, she's all right. I, I actually don't. She does mind do a good job of standing from, uh, still and then getting her face smashed. I think the I think the head doctor guy is fine. I don't think there's anything wrong with his performance. I'm not going to sit here and say that there aren't problems with this, but to be dismissive of it the way you are is a bit. To call it a full moon picture is a bit ridiculous. It's 100 percent what it is. I watch a lot of full moon picture movies. <laughs> I There's mean, no full listen, to, with listen to the fucking kills. Listen to the the fucking soundtrack of this film. Like, it it sounds like a Charles Band soundtrack. You know what I mean? Like, I really didn't notice the soundtrack to this film, which is fine. It's what's supposed to happen. I noticed the cool visuals. I noticed the good kills. I noticed the comedy that they added in for fun, and I noticed them just taking Jason to space because. This time, that's what horror franchises were doing: was going to space. I noticed the I noticed the callbacks to previous movies and things like that that are fun. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I I don't understand your problem with this movie. I don't. So once again, don't hate it. Like, I like this movie. All I'm saying is that it is an unclean Jason movie. <laughs> like it is. It belongs in the same category as Jason Goes to Hell. Like, it no, just does. No, no, no. 100%. Oh. Because this is a... This is this movie has good kills. It has a cool-looking... So Jason. does Jason Goes to Hell. <laughs> no. Come on. Um, it, yeah, this movie's got good... Like I say, it's got... it's got They give him a, a, a team of soldiers to fight with so that he has a huge body count. I'll I'll grant you there are problems with the movie when it comes to like the CGI. They just didn't have the budget for CGI, and it looks bad. Um, but 
So what? Like when you start going uh, through the kills in this movie, don't tell me that these are full moon kills. When he stabs that dude and the blood splats on the girl's face, and then he smashes the girl after he freezes her head in the whatever that stuff is. Liquid nitrogen. Oh, that's, that's awesome. Is that what that is? They say that? Okay. I don't know if they say it. I'm assuming that's what it I is. I mean, but... it clearly is, yeah. I mean, it's, it, I'll grant you it's a bit of a cheesy plot point when that guy fucks his robot to motivate her to save the day. But <laughs> if anyone is paying attention in this movie, she says the odds of survival are 12%. He kisses her. She goes, well, now they're up to like 50%. He goes, let's make it 100. And then they fade away. And when they fade back, she is now arming up to go fight Jason in a way that she was not before. He motivated her to make to want to save the human characters somehow. Interesting. So, and she ain't even got nipples because they keep falling off. <laughs> that scene's pretty cheesy when the nipples are falling off. I didn't necessarily enjoy that. Uh, I am a big fan of this movie just because of the actual absurdness. Abs- absurdness of this movie? Absurdity? Is that where you're going? Absurdity. There we go. Uh, it was completely obvious. They're like, let's fucking send Jason into space. And no one, everybody was like, no, that's a terrible idea. But like, no, but let's send Jason into space. And they're like, oh, yeah, I guess that could be fun. And then they just built a bunch of shit around that idea. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's what horror was doing at this time, right? Like it or don't like it. It's, it's what they were doing. And, uh, you know, why not? Why, why should this franchise be exempt? Whenever, well, I'm surprised there isn't a Halloween movie where they go to space at this point. I think it's... Well, we almost fought Pinhead, so it was pretty close to the, uh, to the other way, I guess. Yeah, Pinhead went to space. He had the decency to go like you're supposed to. It's like, God damn it. Fourth entry, you go to space. That's what we did people, for Hellraiser and hate, Leprechaun. People hate that Hellraiser movie, and I'm kind of okay with it. I haven't seen it in so long, I wouldn't even want to comment on it. I think I really liked the space stuff, but then everything else around it was kind of like, well, it's kind of dumb. And my memory of it is it felt very much like a movie that uh, they just kind of tried to insert Pinhead to make it a Hellraiser movie when it otherwise wouldn't have been. I see, I... I kind of feel the the opposite because it's they basically do the entire history of the puzzle box. It's kind of, I feel like right. they did more for the mythos than any of the other films did. I mean, yeah. I, but did you meet I up ja- meet with Jason though? Because that's who we're actually talking about. Who was in space? Uh, like like I said, I like the movie. I don't want anyone writing me being like Noah hates fucking <laughs> Jason X. Like Jason X, I just like. Jason X is a shitty Friday the 13th movie. It's a good on its own, but as a Friday the 13th movie, it sucks dick. But, but we just established in our discussion of part seven that there isn't really a, a Friday the 13th. Yeah, feel, but it doesn't. Right? That it's different in every movie. See, but I think I think that's where you're wrong. They all have a feel. They just don't. They aren't identical. Does that, does that make sense? Like there's. There is a weird type of consistency where even the funny ones, so even like three and six, they're funny, right? But they're funny in the Friday the 13th way, while this one is funny in the ha ha ha, this is so stupid kind of way, which is a different, it's a different thing. Does that make sense? I have really hard I know time. what you're saying. Getting get, getting my thoughts across on this one. Because once again, I like it. 
I just put it in the same category as Jason Goes Down, where it belongs. <laughs> like, belongs over there. Not one well, through no, eight it's... get get their own space, and then these two get their own space, and then Freddy versus Jason's in a weird space where I don't know. It's it probably well, it's fits. It's really more of a Nightmare on Elm Street film than a Friday Thirteenth film. Right. And in a weird way, it fits in better with the Friday the 13th stuff than either this or Jason Goes to Heaven in its own way. Just more more because of the imposing brutality of, of Jason rather than goofy Jason. You're telling me Jason's when J- Jason, Jason throws a guy on top of a screw and the guy slowly descends down the screw as it screws into his body. That's goofy? Yes. <laughs> listen, listen, listen. Jason... Two things, two things. Number one, Jason has always loved his work, okay? He has always loved posing the bodies and leaving them in fun places for everyone else to find. So the idea that if that was thing was there, if there'd been a giant turning screw in the middle of the forest in part four, he totally would have thrown a body on it. <laughs> and, you know, secondly, he wasn't being goofy. It's a bit goofy when, when it goes the body goes twirling around it and then the character says ah he's screwed yeah like those are goofy moments but how about when they activate the holodeck and there's the the two girls being like do you want to drink beer and smoke weed and have premarital sex again jason's not being goofy the characters around him are being goofy but the other thing you have to realize is that's a total callback right that's how they've defeated jason in the past like in part two that's that was the first method ever used to defeat Jason was to have him uh, have what's her name? Was it Chrissy in that one that puts yeah. on the sweater and pretends to be his mom and gets, distracts him? It was Jenny. Jenny. Yeah, Jenny, I think. It doesn't matter. The, the blonde one that was the final girl in part two. That's how she defeats him. So they're doing a callback. They're, they're doing like, okay, what would, how would you do that same thing to Jason in the world where you have a holodeck? And this is exactly what you would do. Yeah. And you have him pound one with the other in a sleeping bag. This is like that's another callback, obviously, to the at that point the most famous kill in the franchise, which is a sleeping bag kill from part seven. Now, see, I would argue the the most famous kill from the franchise isn't even a Jason kill. It's the arrow through the neck in the first. No, one. I don't think so. You don't think that, so? I mean, whenever I think Friday the 13th, I think of that arrow popping out of that dude's neck. Yeah. I don't. So good. I accept, I accept that you think that, and I think it's a great kill. I love it. But I just don't think it's... For talking about what is the, like, if you, you know, if we were on the family feud and they asked for the top hundred, top five answers up on the board, I don't think that makes it ahead of... You, you guys would be mad because our podcast team, it would get to me and I would scream whenever he kills that guitar chick in the house <laughs> of the boat, you know? <laughs> do you guys want to know what... Uh, do you guys want to know what I think is my favorite callback moment in Jason X? Sure. So, when he first wakes up, right... He goes over and there's all those medical tools there. And there's that one that he grabs, which is in no way, shape or form a real medical tool. I don't accept that that's used for anything in medicine, especially not in future medicine where they have nanobot technology and shit. Right. But you know what it looks just like? It looks like a bill hook. 
Do you guys remember where the bill hook is from? No. It's from it's from the movie where Friday the Thirteenth, the first one, ripped wow. off all its kilts. Bay of Blood, yeah. So it is literally, in my opinion, that is a callback to Bay of Blood, re- recognizing the fact that you know the first set of kills in franchise history were ripped off from another movie, and I think that that's an intentional callback. I can't understand why else that tool would exist. Similar to like the tools we were talking about in part seven, where it's like, well, why would you have those things? So I, I think that's intentional. I've decided it is anyway. I do want to point out at one point, Jason destroys an entire uh, space station. Well, it's more like reckless driving. Sure. But I still say he's, he's responsible. So, I mean, he's yeah, got to pad right. those numbers up. There's got to be at least be like 100,000 people on there. Right after killing yeah. that guy, you know, that guy. Is that when he, he kills the pilot guy, right? Yeah, that guy. You guys know that actor. It's that guy. I mean, he's that guy. I don't know his name or anything else he's been in off the top of my head. But yeah, no idea. I can't specifically name the things he's been in. But, no. you know, you've seen him in a thousand things because he's that Maybe. guy. It feels like, and I haven't done this, but it feels like if I went to his IMDb page, I wouldn't be able to find anything on there that I've seen. But then when I saw his picture, I'd be like, no, I know him from somewhere. <laughs> That's what I think would happen. So I'm not going to bother trying. Yeah. So I'm just saying Jason's kill count has to be padded by that. I mean, come on. No, no, I agree with you. If you are going to give him credit for those kills, then it's, I don't even, it's immeasurable how many people are on the Solaris. <laughs> Space Station. Did he get George Clooney? Do you think he got George Clooney from the remake of Solaris? <laughs> That's what I want to know. Finally. George Clooney in a Friday the 13th movie. Well, it's, it's canon as far as I'm concerned. I think I really think my favorite part of the whole movie is uh, the Cronenberg. I, I do love that. Opening. I, I, that opening, I think Cronenberg's performance is solid, which is weird because he's not really an actor. But uh, that where he he's just being badass Jason. And when they go in and they uncut, like that's another example of where he feels the need to set up the body for everybody to find. <laughs> I love that idea. He does he uses his teleportation powers. He uses his throwing things powers that he had established in seven. What does he kill about 10 guys in that opening sequence before they managed to freeze him? <laughs> yeah. I always get excited when I see Cronenberg in an acting role in a movie or TV yeah. show. I'm just sad he didn't get to be creepy. Didn't put on his bag head and then start murdering people along with Jason. God damn it. Now I have to watch Night Creep for the 5,000th time. <laughs> it's, that's not a problem. Don't say it like it's a problem. Well, it is a problem. Now I gotta decide which edit I'm gonna watch. <laughs> that's why you pick a streaming service and you watch whichever edit is on the service you picked without checking beforehand. One does not simply watch a random edit of Nightbreed concern. Uh, I don't know. Any other favorite moments from Jason X? Oh. Aha. See my brain. It worked. Uh, that guy. Uh, he was the, the cross-dresser guy in the remake of Dawn of the Dead. All right. I accept right. that. What about the part where... Um... Jason gets to the lab after they're all locked, after he's killed all of the uh, soldier guys. And then he gets to the lab and he grabs his machete and the guy's like, oh, oh, he just wanted his machete back. Like The ridiculous amount of optimism <laughs> in that character to think like this has all been about him just wanting his knife back. He's like, go ahead, take it. It's all yours. See, see, once again, that's like 
a full moon joke. <laughs> Especially the part where he turns his back to Jason, gets on the intercom, and he's like, it's okay, everybody. He just wanted his machete back. I feel like in a full moon movie, Jason would have let him live for giving him his machete back, though. That or would have killed him in a really weird way. There isn't a lot of butt stuff for this to be a full moon picture. I'll give you that. No, I'm, <laughs> I'll concede the most full moon, full moon part of this uh, movie is definitely the random uh, professor gets his student to pinch his nipples while he wears girls' underwear. 100%. Yeah. That's, I'll, I'll concede that 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 scene stands out for me. I don't really enjoy it, and it it's because it's very full moonish. See, it's like that, the nipple fall-off scene, the uh, when the security guard, who's one of the few people in the, the film that you're kind of behind, that you're like, yeah, kick some ass, whenever he gets stabbed, and he's like, that'll it'll take more than that to kill me, and he like twists the knife, and he goes, oh, that'll do it. <laughs> That's that's a full moon. I don't know. That's on the that's on the fence. Yeah, I don't know. I enjoy this movie. It works better than it really should. Because when oh, you definitely explain to people, it's like, well, how can that not be terrible? Yeah, but it's not. It's. I think one thing all three of us seem to agree on is it's fun to watch this movie, and I think that that's. I don't think that's what anyone expects when you tell them Jason in space. Uh, but I, like I remember seeing the preview for this for the first time back like a few months before it came out, obviously, and just watching it going like it's Jason in space, which is crazy. But the kills are starting to look good, even from the trailer. And I want to see this more than I think I should. And then I remember seeing it in theaters and being mildly disappointed by how much humor there was. But upon rewatch where you just you know, that's coming. It's just like, oh, okay, it's one of the ones in this franchise that's going to be funny, which, you know, every second or third one usually is. So. Right. Uh, when I was living up north, close to Chicago, uh, that's when this movie came out, and I lived like 10 minutes away from Crystal Lake, Illinois. So okay. me, my buddy drove up, and we, of course, had to go see it at the Crystal Lake movie theater. You have no idea... How disappointed I was that theater did not do any sort of like of their own like little marketing or whatever. Like no, what? no they decoration and no decoration in the lobby. No, no nothing. Same thing for Freddy vs. Jason. That's where we saw Freddy vs. Jason. Also, no, uh, they didn't do anything for that either. That's just embarrassing for them, right? Well, come on, you're that in Crystal Lake. Come on. Yeah, I, I'm actually I'm upset for them. And I'm, and I'm glad they went out of business, I assume. <laughs> they were a Regal cinema, so I don't know if Regal is still around or not. I was getting ready to say, if Metropolis, Illinois gets to have their ridiculous fucking Superman statue, then that yep. goddamn movie theater should have a Jason statue. Right? Ugh, uh, just jerks. really Crystal Lake Town Square should have a Jason statue. I don't yeah. know... I don't know much about that town, but I'm going to go ahead and assume nothing cooler than that has ever happened there. <laughs> I was getting ready to say the best statue would be like a bunch of uh, diverse and smiling children uh, smiling and playing and circling a scowling Jason holding a machete. <laughs> Jason doesn't kill kids. They established that in part six. Yeah, he's not saying he's got to kill him. He just said he would be scowling, holding his machete. 
I'd like to see like a wall I just like to juxtaposition. Jason with all the different looks of his over the years. Oh, if you go to, uh, we just were at a spirit Halloween store earlier today and, uh, they have like a wooden, uh, you know, like decoration you can buy and it has all of the hockey masks for each, for each one of the movies. Oh, really? Yeah. It's just like, they it's did like not have that when I went to spirit Halloween. But no. That means they've got Roy's hockey. Mask. <laughs> Stupid blue hockey mask. Nobody wants you here. Roy. Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at MNDriveInPod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to the Midnight Drive-In at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food and drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. What did everybody watch since last time? So I watched but a single thing. You know, you know I watched part eight, goddammit, because fuck you guys. <laughs> fuck you guys in your face. God. Love part eight. Moist Jason. How dare you? He's so he's so moist through the whole. Stop the whole saying film. the word moist. Moist. <laughs> Wet? That sounds dirty here. Wet Jason. <laughs> sounds weird. But yeah. So, uh, the the special effects in 8 are garbage. Uh, yeah. That's, and, that's and the, the most... That the whole movie is set on a cruise ship and they couldn't get a cruise ship? Is that a problem for you at all? Because it's a problem for me. Yes. It is filled with problems, but it's grimy New York and uh, it's delightful. Toronto. And, and, it, yeah. Vancouver. Or Vancouver. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. Like I said, grimy New York. <laughs> What about the fact that it, part eight is set in a weird universe where everyone knows who Jason is and therefore they sell Jason hockey masks and these kids happen to bring one with them to Crystal Lake just so they can give him a new mask with preloaded with the axe cut in the top, which is yeah. that's how you know it's an actual Jason mask and not just another hockey mask. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty fantastic. Uh. Yeah, so it's got, I don't know, it's got lots of problems, but it's enjoyable, and it I feel like it genuinely makes an attempt to at least capture the mood of a Friday the 13th movie. Like, the, the kills are fine. The, the only problem is the special effects suck. If the special effects didn't suck, it would be better, and I don't... Well. I don't understand the need for ghost young Jason showing up all the time throughout the movie. No, that's a weird. No, that was pointless. Yeah. And maybe take the budget you're spending on that and use it to make the Jason that's doing the killing look decent. Right. Because he's. And then you talk about your full moon jokes. Maybe you don't have him lift his mask to scare punks on the street. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> I, I will die on this hill. That is one of the best Friday the 13th moments in the entire franchise. Oh, for fuck's sakes. It's one of the best. I love this it. This is why we record at a distance, so I can't slap you when you say <laughs> shit like that. I love it. I don't give it. I will die. Like I said, I'll die on that hill. I'll accept all the criticisms of this movie, but him lifting that mask in, in those punks, those grimy, uh, fake New York punks, 
shitting themselves in fear is one of the most fabulous things of all time. Well, that was an actual New York because they filmed that part in Times Square. Oh, well, there we go. Crap. Yeah, they had like one day in New York or something. If you go back and read the, I like I, I like the stuff. fact that grimy New York and Vancouver are identical. No one can tell the difference. <laughs> no, no one can. Right. Except for people from Vancouver, who immediately can tell the difference, or and they're pe- always mad. Or people from New York, or people from anywhere else in the fucking world <laughs> who are watching this movie. Listen, how many is that? Eight million? No. Hey, did you hear the? end part where I said people from anywhere else in the world because that's more than a million. You are you are wrong. Most most Americans can't tell the difference between those cities let alone most, people from other countries. Most Americans can't uh, can't point out anything on a map so it doesn't matter. I was getting ready to say you could shoot that shit in fucking London, England and put a goddamn MAGA hat on somebody and I'd be like, yep, that's America. <laughs> Why? What town is that? Their license plates look weird. But yeah, no. Like I said, I like it. I did, I think my least favorite of all of them is Jason Coast to Hell. Maybe. Yeah, I'm not like a fan it. of that one either. And, and I yeah. even like it to a certain extent. I just don't like it as canon Friday the 13th. Is that an alternate universe movie with weird, bulky Jason and, once again, being powered by uh, some kind of sperm snake demon? Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's that's the same thing as what, whichever Nightmare on Elm Street it is, like six or whatever. That's like, okay, it's fine, but it's like, why are we turning him into this weird demon thing as opposed to just letting him be who he is? It's It's... I don't understand the need to try to add backstory to these characters, you know, six or seven movies or nine movies into a franchise. Right. It's it's one thing if it's a character that has mystery to them. Like, I understand Hellraiser and the need to expound because, you know, it, it kind of begs all these questions of what the fuck are these Cenobites? Where do they come from? What, yeah. What universe is this that they exist in? But Jason... He little boy, he fall in a lake, his mom kills some people, people kill his mom, and he come back and he wanna kill people too. Like <laughs> the, the, the end. End of mythos. Uh, yeah. Uh, because I mean Freddy, even the first time he's brought back in six. End of end of story. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Cause see, I don't mind like um New Nightmare, which is the one where they do an like an else world story. With Freddy in yeah. it, right? I'm fine with that. I just don't mind like them adding to the canon in a weird way like that. Because once you do it, it's there, and it's just I don't know. It's frustrating. It cheap. It cheapens. Yes. Then you end up with franchise killing shit like Druid Michael Myers. Yeah. Oh my god. That whole like era, they just kept trying to just add backstory to these guys. I'm- I'm a little nervous about this new Halloween movie because to me, the trailers make it feel an awful lot like they're going through it, Michael Myers. Oh, no, no, no. They were just on Joe Bob. They were talking. No, Michael Myers is 100% human. So no need to, uh, no, uh, no nonsensical explanations as to why Michael's killing people. Hey, because that trailer, whenever she starts talking about him transcending, I was like, oh, no. Is he going to have no, green no. blood? Is he going to be green blood, Michael Myers? No, no, no. But yeah, that's that's all I watched. I was going to also watch Six, but I didn't have time, so I had to prioritize. 
<laughs> you would have been better off to watch six. No, yes. you're wrong. <laughs> what did you watch, Doug? Um, I did not watch any other Friday the 13th movies. Oh, disappointing. Let's see. Did you watch any watch? other serial killers who were very moist? Stop. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I watched Black Widow, so you tell me whether she falls into that category or not. Most <laughs> likely. <laughs> so are we yay or nay on Black Widow? Uh, I'm yay on it. Yeah. It's, uh, I like the more grounded movies. I like the human characters in the MCU. And I think they did a good job of keeping this one very grounded, telling a smaller story, giving her just motivation enough to go back and get back into this old fight that is separate. Um, yeah, the action mostly worked. There's only one moment where I thought they kind of overdid it, and it was like, oh, well, a human being couldn't do that. There's one fall she takes, and I'm just like, yeah, no, that's that's kind of that's a Captain America fall, not a Black Widow fall. Um, but yeah, I sort of liked it. I liked that, I liked that there was no other Avengers in it; that it was just her. I, I liked the storyline of her reuniting with her old, like, quote unquote, family, and the idea that all of them look back on this time they spent together on this mission as being their only real family they've ever had. I kind of enjoyed that plot line. I was I was disappointed that Red Guardian doesn't get uh, a big badass moment. I agree with you. However, I think they wanted to make sure it was a Black Widow movie and not a Red Guardian movie. I, th- I suppose. But doesn't it feel like because he's pretty much this one note joke through the entire movie, doesn't feel like it's earned that he gets like one fight to show that he can actually just beat the ever living dog shit out of somebody. Sure. I, I would have, I would have no objections to that. Um, I think, I think in 2021 world, uh, where you finally give your female character, her own movie, if you let him play it, take on a role like that, I think you run the risk of drawing the wrong types of attention, which is, what they're trying to avoid, they're trying to make sure that it stays her movie, right? Which is fine. Like that character yeah. also deserves their own movie at this point. I would have no problem with a spinoff movie for Red Guardian, just so we're clear. So my big thing is, I just felt like the movie was a little too little, too late. Because I'm like, uh, at this point, it's like, well, you're you're wanting me to care about her, which is fine. Okay, I guess I do now. But I mean, I feel like we could have used this before she, you know, throws herself off the mountain in Endgame. Yeah, a black a Black Widow Hawkeye movie five years ago would have been awesome. Yeah, yeah. like I would have even even this movie happening a few years earlier and getting a sequel with Hawkeye in it would be great. I yeah. I agree, it's too late. Yeah, I don't think it's just any counterpoint to that. Yeah, it's just weird to do it as, you know, she's on her way out the door because the character's dead. And then, of course, after the movie comes out, she sues the shit out of Disney. So, uh, you know, Scarlett Johansson's probably not coming back in the foreseeable future. So They they did pull some shenanigans. Oh, I'm not saying they didn't, but I'm just saying Disney's like, we could have done this quietly. You had to make it a big production. So we want you to come back. Let's. Let's be honest. So Disney wasn't doing shit quietly, right? No, no, they were they were just as bad as soon as the lawsuit went through. Yeah. No, I mean, I'm completely so. I'm completely on her side, if that's not clear. But 
I'm just saying from Disney's perspective, they got a lot of bad press. And so I'm sure they're kind of like, yeah, we don't need her to come back anytime soon. So we don't, we'll just do animated black widow and have someone else do the voice. That's fine. Yeah. And plus they got the new black widow, the Florence Pugh or whatever her name is. Well, white, so, white widow. Whatever. I did like how she was just ragging on her the whole movie though. Calling her a poser. Yeah. I love, I liked that. I really got a kick out of the joke where, where she falls and she lands in the superhero pose. And she's like, Oh, like that actually makes sense. Like they land like that for a reason. <laughs> oh, no. I like that. She does. She, and she gets up and she like goes, that felt wrong. <laughs> <laughs> it took like a second though. You could see the look on her face. I liked, I liked the whole transaction. Like I feel like she wants it to be wrong, but she knows that it made sense. I don't know. I enjoyed it any either way. Uh, I like the interactions between them, which is important because it's a lot of the movie. When they start talking about that vest all the time, I enjoyed that. Uh, I feel like they wasted Taskmaster uh, since you don't know a lot about him from the comics. I guess that didn't make a big difference to you, but no, I thought the look was cool. Yeah, uh, that's that's about all I got from it. The look, the look not terrible. I mean, it's pretty close to it. I have no idea if it's comic accurate or like... No. I just thought it looked neat. It's close-ish. It's, it's missing a cape. Yeah. Okay. But, I I mean, I doubt they're going to slap a cape on anybody. Yeah. He had a cape and a hood and then a skull face. So, it was kind of badass looking. So, they got close. Close enough that it would be so, semi-believable in this universe. I mean, I suppose I, technically they could still bring him back. And pull a... Pull a Mandarin or... Oh fuck is he called well no because i mean mandarin yeah she's still she's still up and running i mean i i I personally think the gender swapping is irrelevant that that character's gender has nothing to do with their character that i I didn't mind but i just feel like they just didn't do anything exciting with it like i'd hope they would well yeah i was disappointed with the fact that 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 character their like comic existence is totally predicated on the fact that they're almost unbeatable, but, and that's it. You know what I mean? Cause Taxmaster, it's not like he's got a huge personality or anything in the comic books. He's kind of just a mercenary. If you pay him to do something, he does. But yeah. I like that they, they, they used him at the, uh, the Avengers Academy at some point where he was teaching new recruits hand to hand combat. Right. Yeah. After Captain America stops doing it. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, there's stuff I really liked about it, but again, I feel like the placement is weird. Just after we've had in game, and her character dies, and then they're like, "Well, here's a yeah. nice sentimental movie to make you uh, really care about this character," even though we killed her off in the last movie. And the biggest complaint was she really had no purpose throughout most of the Avengers movies. I also think those those types of movies have now been damaged. Because if you cram that much family stuff into a movie, you just expect Vin Diesel to pop up out of nowhere, <laughs> driving a dumb fucking car. I try not to pay too much attention to the background characters, just in case. <laughs> I mean, serious. You say family five times, and it just summons him like a goddamn genius. I don't know about that, but I, I I liked the family plot line in Black Widow. I thought that worked, which is difficult to pull off given the nature of the characters and everything. So. Vin Diesel aside. Yeah, I have the same apprehension about the Hawkeye series that's coming out. Like, I'm interested in it. I'm definitely going to watch it. But, again, 
feel like Jeremy Renner's towards the end of his run with the characters. So it's like, now we're going to get the thing that's going to make us care about him just as they uh, leave. Well, and there's all sorts of stuff. So the, ba- the, the person who, according to everything I'm read, they're, they're setting up as the bad guy for the series. Isn't a Hawkeye bad guy. It's a daredevil bad guy. Mm-hmm. In, in which that makes me feel like not only are they transitioning him out, they're like using his series to just set up replacements. Yeah, well, just like they did with Black Widow. Right. Which is, I don't know, There, there's something gross about that that I don't like. I'm okay with the fact that over time they've been introducing more and more characters that'll pick up the reins as, as the story progresses. But it's not is immediate. It's just weird that the two characters that people were complaining had no like good backstory or a character depth. They finally decided to do something with, and it's in purpose of handing that title off to somebody else. Although I am excited. I'm excited that, uh, for the Hawkeye series and the fact that it's set up to be like a Christmas show. Yeah. I think that's going to be a lot of fun. Which Maybe that's them testing the waters for the, uh, variants of the galaxy Christmas special. Oh, that's happening. <laughs> Whether they like it or not, it's happening. I would just love to know what it is. Because I'm assuming that's going to be a straight to Disney Plus thing. There's oh, yeah. no way they're going to put that in the theater. Oh, no. No, that's that was the plan from the beginning. It's a Disney Plus thing. Yeah. What else you watched, Dad? Uh, let's see. I rewatched the 2016 movie Hush, Mike Flanagan movie that mm-hmm. actually turned me on to him. Hadn't seen it in a while, and we brought it up in conversation last week. And I'm like, oh, I should watch that. And it's still fucking awesome. Um, if anyone hasn't seen it, it's literally the whole movie is girl in house, guy outside of house shows up. He's going to kill her. And she's stuck inside trying to figure it out. Um, and the fact that. So, uh, I think I was about to bring up the point you were about to bring up. So go ahead. Which is just that she happens to be deaf, which they yeah. sounds gimmicky, but because it's Mike Flanagan, it's used to really good effect, I find, in the movie. Um, you know, it doesn't play the biggest role, but it's like that. It still has, this has one of my favorite mo- moments of a killer that's happened in a long, long time, which is the moment where she writes on the uh, on the glass using like her lipstick, and she's like, I haven't seen your face I can't. Well, I can't tell anyone who you are. If you go now, I won't report this or whatever. And he stands right in front of that thing and takes his mask off so that she sees his face. And I'm like, "Fuck! I love that moment. <laughs> it's just such a badass moment where he's just like, no, 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 that's not how this works. I don't care if you know who I am. You're not going to report me because I'm going to kill you. So I really like it. Um, yeah. yeah, it's it's a difficult movie to discuss because it's all atmosphere based, um, which is funny because we talk about Flanagan and his use of visuals. Here he is pre having the ability to create these cool visuals with CGI and stuff because he just didn't have a budget yet. And yet he's still able to create that atmosphere. So I can't really explain how he does it and what makes this better than other movies that are similar. But it's clearly better. Um, the other thing, when we, uh, I, I kind of name dropped when we were discussing Black Mass, or sorry, Midnight Mass, that's, uh, they referenced it in this movie. That's, that's what made me want to rewatch this. It is, they are using character names and everything that carry forward all the way through to Midnight Mass. 
So I'm like, holy smokes, like they he really had that story written that that long ago and just needed to find a way to make it. <laughs> Good for him. Yeah, it helps to do a couple uh big horror movies to let let Netflix be like, oh okay, yeah, do whatever you want. It does sort of seem like they uh that there's like some kind of a deal there where it's like he did when he finally when he finally did Haunting of Hill House, they're like, Well, you gotta do a sequel and I feel like he sat them down and was like, I'll do that for you, but then you give me my budget for my thing I actually want to do. <laughs> and that's why Haunting of Bly Manor doesn't get the same great reviews from everybody it's because he was just doing it to get through to the thing he really wanted yeah i think he said that that's done like they're not planning on doing any more haunting of whatever no i don't think they will so I, I think he's pretty much said that's that's done and over with he's moving he, on to that yeah he's Edgar got two more, stuff now yeah he's got two more series planned and then you know god knows what's coming after that so <laughs> I don't know if he'll ever get back to making movies or if he likes this hard long form of hardcore pornography. That seems unlikely to me, but never say never. As long as his wife stars in it, I'll give it a shot. Well, that was a sexist comment, and we don't appreciate those things around here. Right. What else did you watch, Doug? <laughs> hardcore um, pornography. Needed... <laughs> well, we don't discuss that on this show, though. Um, I did need a little bit more of uh, Kane Hodder in my life. So I went back and checked out the 2007 movie where he plays Ed Gain. Oh, yeah. Um, Which is, I think it's, depending on which version you pick up, it's either just called Ed Gain or sometimes it's called Ed Gain, the Butcher of Plainfield. Um, So here's the thing. It's not a bad (laughs) movie, but it is so not an Ed Gain movie. (laughs) Like, and I guess you know when they cast Kane Hodder in it that they're not going to give you an accurate portrayal of Ed Gain, because how could Kane Hodder play that? But <laughs> yep, looks it's just so weird. Absolutely nothing alike. Yeah, like, they don't, but it's not just they don't look anything alike. It's like, like, Kane Hodder it is, he, how do you put it? Like, he's built, and he's muscular, and he's menacing, and that was Ed Gain's whole thing, was that he wasn't menacing. <laughs> That's, you know, and the, what you get is, like, like, the thing about Ed Gain is that he's, he is legit like a psychopath. Like, I don't think he ever, like from the, the footage I've seen and like the, what I've read about him, like I don't think he ever understood he did anything wrong. And that's why they just threw him in like a mental institution for the rest of his life. They're like, we can't even put this guy on trial. Like what the fuck? What do we, how, how would we even do that? But then what you get in this movie is because it's Kane Hodder, you get a more menacing, like just mean spirited killer. Doesn't, it's obviously not true to the story, but then again, it's Kane Hodder doing that, which is pretty cool. Um, so there's stuff like that that's fun. For some reason, Michael Berryman plays like a guy that Ed Gain hires to help him dig up bodies, which just seems like an excuse to put Michael Berryman in the movie. See, now you hire Michael Berryman to play Ed Gein. It seemed like that would make way more sense. I, I don't disagree with you. Um, but I don't know. It's just so I didn't hate watching the movie, but it was just super weird watching it going like this is nothing like the true story at all. Like it's I know better than this. And there's like all sorts of random kills go on that you're just like, no, that that didn't happen. Like I don't I don't know the story like to a T off the top of my head, but I know enough about it to know that this is not it. <laughs> uh one of our trips up to Wisconsin, we made a pit stop in Plainfield. 
to uh i heard they uh, they don't like people coming by there to ask about their local serial killer that's what i heard uh yeah i mean we we didn't we made jokes like hey should we stop down here and ask where the gene property is i'm sure they definitely won't run us out of town probably yeah like uh, some places revel in it but i i've heard that they do not uh they do not yeah. i don't think yeah. there's any gain gift shops or anything like that yeah so we just looked up where the property was and uh there's a gate looks like a very you know standard farm gate that you would see in 20 other places around there so we just yeah. you know stepped around the gate and actually standing on the property we're like Woo! all right let's take a picture and let's get the fuck out of here so not quite as exciting but just knowing you're on the game imagine like is. i imagine like the house is torn down and everything it's probably just uh, empty property at this point. it uh it was mysteriously burned down like within a year or two after he was arrested it's one of those nobody knows who burned it down but i'm sure it was just yeah, we're going to burn this yeah. down so that so that people don't come over here. A lot of people wanted to burn it down, and it's just, yeah. you know, whatever. No, one, no one's going to investigate that. It's not necessary. Yeah. So I don't even think there's anything on the land anymore. I think, I can't remember, I think his brother owned it after him, and then they sold it to somebody else, but nobody's even done anything with the property. So. It's yeah, weird. It's, when stuff like that happens, it's always strange because it's like, what do you like? It's perfectly good farmland, theoretically, or, or was at one point. Yeah. Now it might be all overgrown to the point where that's not true anymore. But it's like, I don't know. It's still farm there. It's, it's a little weird that it just has to go to waste. But I also kind of get why people don't just want to like set up shop there. Mm. Then we drove through town and we we're pretty sure we found the hardware store where he actually killed the one woman that he ended up getting yeah. caught for again did not go inside to double check figured you know <laughs> easy access to uh torches and pitchforks at the hardware store so maybe maybe we'll just let that go yeah it's you don't exactly blend uh you're walking in there with your horror movie t-shirt on going. <laughs> i think i was wearing a vince price t-shirt yeah yeah i think they might figure out why you're there i'm sure they're used to it Probably, People like I guess. Probably ruin their day on a regular basis. Um, uh, what else, Doug? The other thing, since since that movie wasn't that good, I had to like go back and get more some Mike Flanagan into me. And so I watched Ouija: Origin of Evil, mm-hmm. which you uh, I had ignored completely until you recommended it and pointed out that it was made by Flanagan. I'm like, okay, eh, maybe that's worth a bit of a watch. Um, it's way better than I expected based on the fact that it's called Ouija <laughs> origin of evil. Um, if anyone hasn't seen it, it's literally a commercial for Ouija boards whereby like a woman is like a fake, uh, like seance. What do you, what are you medium? I guess is the term. Um, and she gets a Ouija board and now all of a sudden they really can talk to the dead. And it's full of tropes where it's like the little girl is the one getting possessed, just like in Poltergeist. And there's, you know, the priest coming by, like in The Exorcist. Um, all that kind of fun stuff. Yeah. There's bodies in the basement. I guess that's a spoiler, but come on. <laughs> um, so in a world where you're watching a, an hour and a half long commercial for <laughs> the board game Ouija, um, it's surprisingly good. 
again, it's it's not as good as Flanagan's other stuff. You can tell that he was a director for hire here, and he gets a writing credit, which I think means they handed him a script and he went, yeah, I don't know. I think we're going to have to go ahead and rewrite a lot of this and fix it up a little bit. Uh, but it, it was okay. That's I guess that's my yeah. official thing. I thought the, the visuals where the people's mouths start like closing up on them and stuff was cool. I remember that from the trailers, so it wasn't as shocking as it could have been if they would learn not to put the cool stuff in the trailers. Yeah, it was definitely like a chance for him to do something bigger budget. And he's like, I don't give a shit if it's a sequel to a shitty Hasbro or Bill Bradley or whoever the fuck owns the Ouija copy right now. Yeah. He's like, I'm just going to make it the best goddamn Ouija movie I can. And actually turns out yeah. something pretty decent. Yeah. Like I, I would normally have completely avoided this um, and I still won't go watch the first Ouija movie. <laughs> uh, but you know, this was okay. It was a lot of like, cheesy horror movie tropes but done very well and you know a lot of the like say the visuals and stuff were all you could see him kind of playing with the visuals here which is also pretty impressive because it's the same year as hush and so they're on the one hand there's he made two movies in the same year which is already an accomplishment on the other hand it's two very different movies that he's able to pull off both successfully and it also draws attention to the fact that, like, I only heard of Mike Flanagan in 2016, and it's 2021, and look at how much shit he's put out. This is a prolific <laughs> right? guy. And, like, with maintaining the quality that he has, it's pretty impressive. Yeah, he uh, he doesn't uh, take a lot of time off, so. No, it doesn't seem that way. That's why he has to use all the same actors. I don't think he even has time for casting. He's just, like, calling them up. <laughs> It's like the old studio system where he's got them on contract. So tells his it's, wife, I'm making another movie. Make sure you're available from this time to this time. I'm, I'm almost out of Mike Flanagan stuff to watch though. So people will stop having to hear about it. If you're sick of this, <laughs> I've just got uh, Flanagan's Absent- corner every week. Yeah. I've got absentia lined up for next week. And then, uh, so I'm going to watch that, that one. It's just Dr. Sleep after that. So, yeah. I'm going to set aside an afternoon for Dr. Sleep, I guess. I'm waiting for you, Brian. It's it's on you because I'm waiting for you to buy the director's cut and put it on your movies anywhere so that I can watch it rather than having well, to sit through the theatrical cut first. It sucks for you to know that I already have, and apparently it doesn't pour it over. So. Damn it. Sorry. All right. I guess I could take care of my own gathering of movies. But, uh, so I think so. Is it is the regular one on there? I think so. It's like two and a oh. half hours long. Well, because I think technically the three-hour director's cut is a quote-unquote special feature. Maybe YouTube doesn't oh. have special features. That makes sense. Yeah, because I, I think I checked, and the the Netflix version is the same length as the version that you put on movies anywhere. So That's I'll have right. to figure it out. I'll have to figure it out. It'll be fine. Just means I'm gonna end putting it off for a while because I'll end up watching one of the hundreds and hundreds of movies that I have access to. <laughs> but the, yeah, that's all I watched this week. I attended two horror-themed micro brews. Oh yeah, <laughs> that helps. So if anyone's looking for a, a coffee-infused ale, I recommend Never Sleep Again. That is definitely not. Nobody paid for the copyright, but there is a, a clear Nightmare on Elm Street references in the can. So. <laughs> 
<laughs> we'll just make it red and green striped and it'll be fine. Yep. Uh, and I found one that, that's got like, oh, what's it called? Chronicle Brewing Company. If anybody ever happens to be in the Bowmanville, Ontario area, like all their beers are like all their cans have like Psycho Gorman references on them. And then like there's some Star Wars cans. It's like Cloud City Pale Ale and a like a faster than light speed or something like that that has a picture of the Millennium Falcon on it that maybe I shouldn't be telling people about because they probably also didn't pay for <laughs> copyright. But the Psycho Gorman stuff is official because they had some kind of a deal with the filmmakers to release that. I don't know about the Star Wars stuff. Nice. But that was that was really fun for me. So I figured you guys would want to hear about it. <laughs> so what about you, Brian? Uh, uh, let's see. I did watch a couple things. Uh, I watched a Netflix movie called "There's Someone Inside Your House." Okay. Uh, I would say if you're a fan of the Scream movies, this would probably fit within there. Um, okay. So somebody is killing off high school kids, and it's obviously has to be someone goes to the high school but they do uh this thing where the person they're going after they do this weird 3d printed version of their face so that when they're confronting them it's like they're looking at themselves which is kind of creepy i like that uh, yeah <clears throat> and then uh usually they'll send something out via social media or something that reveals some big secret the person was keeping so it's just it's kind of weird updated version of scream where it's like they're using social media and stuff against them. And then you find out all these horrible things this person's done, you know, after they get stabbed to death. So, uh, so it depends if you're a fan of the scream type stuff, then you may enjoy it. Uh, if not, then, uh, you know, probably not for you Has its own, uh, melodramatic problems, but, as long as you can look past it, it's a just a good, fun slasher movie, which I'm always on board for. Generally, I'm looking for just fun slasher movies to watch. So mm. It's good to know that one's there in case I need it. Uh, the Me and Amanda went and did a double feature at the movie theater. Uh, so we went and saw The Addams Family 2, which, you know, if you're into animated kids' movies, it's fine. It's nothing that's gonna, <laughs> nothing that's gonna blow your mind. Amanda really likes like animated kids movies. It's just, she can just watch them and relax and not have to worry about, you know, the world. So, and she's also a big Adams family fan. So when the first one came out, we went and saw it. So she wanted to go see this one too. So we figured why not? It's just, you more. don't have to explain to us why you saw it. It's okay. No, it's fine. Feel like, like it, it feels like you're justifying it. It's like, oh. Yeah, it's fine. I had a good time watching it. Um, you know, it's just, it's more of the same. If you like the first Adams Family animated movie, you'd probably like this one too. I just feel like they put them out like really fast, like one, one right after the other. They must have been like working on both of them almost at the same time. But was the other one uh, last Halloween? Or am I mistaken uh, on that? I think the other one was 2019, I want to say. Okay. So, I mean, it's two years ago, but still like. For an animated movie, that's still really quick. Yeah, yeah, 2019. And then, yeah, this one's out. And I think this one may have even been 
delayed a little bit because of COVID. So I don't know. I don't know if it stuck to its original release date or not, but it just seemed really quick. So the studio is obviously all in on these Adams Family movies. Uh, then the other thing we went and saw was the new James Bond movie, No Time to Die. I'm not super connected to the James Bond. Like my friend Wes has seen, you know, every single one loves them. Grew up watching them and stuff. And I never really watched them growing up. So I'd say the only ones I've really I watched more than once has been the Daniel Craig ones. So it was just, I don't know. It was kind of interesting to go and see sort of a wrap up to his whole story arc and stuff. And, yeah, it's a James Bond movie. You know what you're getting when you go into it. So uh, yeah. I enjoyed it. Enjoyed it. Again, it's a James Bond movie. Nothing is going to change your life, but it was fun. Does it turn out he does, in fact, have time to die? That'd be a spoiler, Noah. Uh, I will say, spoiler alert, he does get into a car that has guns in the headlights. Shoots oh, a bunch wow. of shit. I like that. <laughs> I'm not the biggest so. Bond guy either, but. That might be enough to get me to watch this yeah. one. Like not in theaters, but you know, when it's available for free at home. Yeah, he gets he gets surrounded. Like he's in one of those I don't know, European countries. I'm not sure which one. But where you can uh, you know, drive through roads and then come to sort of like a town square and there's rear roads from like every direction leading into it. And he gets in there and then, you know, enemy cars come from every direction and surround him. <clears throat> and he just sort of shrugs and flips the switch and then you know the little mini guns pop out of the headlights and that's and when Vin Diesel ramps over the other about family. <laughs> <laughs> so then he just starts firing and does do- basically just keeps doing donuts and it just pretty much just kills everybody so so it's like the end of the last Starfighter but you know sure. not in space sure alright that's that's definitely a quote they could put on the on the poster, sort of like Last Starfighter, but not in space. People would be like, "What?" Uh, hey, it would cause me to give get my attention. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Turns out he's a secret agent because he was really good at a video game. Uh, that so feels this, more like a Vin Diesel movie. <laughs> uh, so the movie was decent. I mean, like I said, it's a James Bond movie. This is a Daniel Craig James Bond movie. They all sort of feel the same. That's fine kind of what they were going for so i have no problem with it um rami malik's in it he's always usually pretty good and stuff and not a spoiler because it was in the trailer but christoph waltz shows up again as uh the bat one of the bad guys he was the main bad guy in the last movie so yeah, yeah. i never even saw the last one so should probably yeah. get around to it it was all right i didn't remember enjoying it super well but obviously you will need to watch it in order keep up with what's going on in this movie but yeah so it's enjoyable i'm just interested to see what they're going to do now going forward so we're just going to sort of start over again because that's kind of what these did even though they held over like uh judy dench and you know some of the other actors from the pierce brosnan ones and they're just like yeah but we're restarting this is an origin story we're like all right. That character's just a lot older than they were in the last movie now. For <laughs> reasons. It's fine. Sure. Why not? The whole, like, nothing, nothing about James Bond makes any sense to me. I, maybe it would if I tried harder or paid more attention, but I just feel like it's one of those 
they're not trying to make it make sense, so why should I? Yeah. Yeah, they're just trying to tell an interesting story arc with Daniel Craig this time around. So I know they were like, you know, this is a younger Bond, like earlier in his career or whatever. It's like, sure, whatever. I think if I watched the, his whole series as a whole, there would be stuff that I'd be like, but this doesn't make any sense. It's fine. Uh, then the last thing I watched, Amanda was like, let's watch like a really scary horror movie. And I was like, all right. Um, so she let me pick something. So I was looking through stuff and stumbled upon The Ritual on Netflix which I had seen already, but she hadn't seen. And I'm like, well, this is pretty freaky. And then at the end, it, uh, you definitely have yeah. no clue where it's going or what's going to happen. So this is probably fit the bill. Uh, and then she fell asleep about halfway, half, half an hour till the end of the movie. Yeah. So, I stopped, so I stopped it. And then uh, she watched the rest of it the next day. She said she didn't say she really liked it. <laughs> <laughs> so you only watched half of it. Oh, no, no. Yeah, I've, I watched all of it. Okay. Like, I watched watched it, and then she fell asleep, and I shut it off, and then the next day, she started it up just as I came into the living room, so I sat down and watched the rest of it, too. But, yeah, so I'm like, so did you have any idea what was going to happen? She's like, no. I had, I had no clue where the fuck that was going. Yeah, that's good, though. Man, I like it when movies are unpredictable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, if you haven't watched The Ritual, definitely go watch it. I won't say anything else just for the uninitiated, but you're going to be like, what the fuck is going on? What's what's oh, my God, what the fuck? And then it'll be over. Here's a brief glimpse of some of the truly fine pictures we've scheduled in the near future. So, Doug, did you ever pick what we're doing next week? Uh, yeah, let's uh, let's do Oliver Stone week next week. Mm. So we got the hand. And yeah. seizure. Those I haven't, I haven't seen really work. I haven't seen seizure, but I am a big fan of the hand. I have not seen either one. I think I wanted to see the hand at one point, but I can't remember why. And then I teamed it up with seizure just because I needed <laughs> something else to team it up with. It's a big old bonkers Michael Caine movie. So if you want to see Michael yeah. Caine go off the rails. <laughs> In a movie, this is definitely going to be the one. Well, everybody always wants to see Michael Caine going off the rails in a movie. That's, uh, so. should we, yeah. So that should be yeah. fun. Should we talk about the season finale of What If? Yes, we should. So as we sort of talked about the Watcher, we, we sort of predicted that they, he was going to assemble some sort of team. And true to form, the Watcher did uh, assemble a team, dubs it, Guardians of the Multiverse. Yep. And a lot of characters from previous uh, episodes show up. And then one character from an episode that was supposed to happen, but COVID made them cut it. And it is now apparently going to be part of season two, which is the Gamora character. So apparently it's something with she ends up dethroning Thanos and took over his role as. Okay. Uh, well, that makes me feel less dumb. Yes. Because. There's like a Lego figure of her, and then she showed up in this. I was like, did I forget something from one of these episodes? Nope. Nope, they're going to do it, but they had already factored her into the to the last episode and had already recorded some of the dialogue for it. So they're like, ah, fuck it. All right. 
we'll just have to move forward with this one and push push the actual episode to next season i'm sure there was more decision making than that but that's what i gathered from what i read yeah so uh yeah so ultron's taking over he assembles this team to fight him off they have a huge battle it bursts through uh bursts through all kinds of stuff and then uh turns out uh surprisingly that killmonger turns on everybody then unsurprisingly turns out this was all part of the plan in the first place the watcher knew was going to happen well do you guys feel like with the watcher being involved it removes some of the tension because he can literally see everything so he obviously picked the team that was going to win no matter what else happened so maybe that's how i felt and i'm just like i don't know if it matters what else happens so when you get that killmonger turning scene i'm like well yeah but it must be part of the plan because how else could it be happening well, didn't it feel like that was just a direct nod to Tony and Doctor Strange at the end of uh, Endgame? Where instead it's Doctor Strange realizing that Uatu saw it coming. Uh, yeah, I guess. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't like the greatest ending at all, but I still enjoyed the giant battle then. It was cool looking. I mean, again, from my perspective... This is the culmination of exactly what I didn't want from the series. So it's kind of a little bit weird. It's okay. like I wanted I wanted a bunch of standalone stories and I, I obviously have known for a while that I wasn't getting that. But it's like here this is the kind of the rub it in my face moment where they're like, now what happens? We're gonna mix all of the stories at once. And it's gonna be relevant to the canon of the major of the main universe. And you're like, well don't ah. It's fine. <laughs> it was fun to watch all the fighting and stuff go on. Yeah, I do feel uh, like they've uh, they've redeemed Ultron. Ultron is nobody will just make fun of Ultron anymore, which I appreciate. Yeah, he's actually a lot more badass than they thought. Yeah, uh, I, th- I think my favorite part is when Doctor Strange throws that multiplication spell on Thor's hammer, and so there's like hundreds of them just like beating Ultron in the face. Yeah, it was pretty dope. Pretty fun. Uh, did, they offer, uh, did they offer any explanations as to why his Infinity Stones worked when he jumped from universe to universe? Nope. No. Especially um, after them specifically establishing the fact that they don't work in other universes. I thought, yeah, I thought that was established in Loki. Well, I did watch a video and they tried to explain it away, at least this guy did, as. They don't work in the Time Bureau because Time Bureau is placed outside of time. So thus physics and stuff. And then, uh, again, I think this relies on the theory that the Time Bureau is in the quantum realm, which they point to in one of the Ant-Man movies that we saw, like a tiny city, like bubbled off as they're traveling through the quantum realm. Um, the, in the quantum realm, Hank Pym explained that time and uh, time, time and space lose all meaning or whatever. And so essentially just physics don't, don't work in, in the quantum realm. Thus, if the time, time agency is in the time in the quantum realm, then none of the stones would work because they don't react to any sort of uh, physics or whatever. But if you're jumping from universe or reality to reality where it has its own infinity stones, thus it means that the 
physics would be the same, so thus the stones would be able to work in another universe that has Infinity Stones. I don't know. It was a long, drawn-out explanation. I still don't know if I 100% buy it. I mean, they even, with the, uh, whatever it is, the Infinity Crusher, they even mm. explain the fact that the Infinity Crusher can't work because it's a different universe, different stones. Yeah. yeah. So they don't do a good a job of sort of wiping that away. In the comics, it's flat out known that the stones don't work in other universes. Yeah. Except for the Ultraverse, apparently, which is a little nod for all my comic book nerds out there. So, yeah. So, no explanation. Just don't think about it, I guess. Yeah. But I like to think about it. If you've noticed, I kind of overthink no, I these know. things. I do, too. So, I'm I'm with you. What's funny is I overthink it so much that, like, I didn't, I didn't know that rule coming into this. <laughs> and then it's like, oh, well, by watching videos and researching to, in order to appreciate the show more. I seem to have found the flaw. <laughs> this made me hate the show more. That's not fair. Oh, well. We'll see. So what did you think, Noah? Uh, I thought it was good. I, I think the thing I was the most excited for was the three seconds we got Zola. Oh, yeah. That was fun. <laughs> the, the TV TV stomach? Yeah. Sort of a cheat, cheat way around that with uh, just Vision's... I don't know, chess becoming a fucking monitor for some reason. That's one of those random things that it felt so wasted that they set it up in like the very first Captain America movie and then have referenced it over and over and over again and then never paid it out. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe we'll still get it at some point. Well, we will. Like for real. It, I, I mean, they, they confirmed my theory in this episode because when they're talking to Zola... They, they said they're going to delete him. And he says, you you know, you thought I'd be stupid enough to only put my mind in one place, which my theory had always been there were USB ports on that old computer, meaning he'd already been downloaded and moved somewhere else. So there's mm. there's still Zola's out there. Yeah, they can bring him back anytime they want and just say it's a copy. Um, did we watch the mid credit sequence? Uh, reasonably confident I did, but I don't remember it off the top of my head. <laughs> uh, it's Peggy back on the boat from her episode or the beginning of this episode where she's basically doing the winter soldier thing. And they said they found right. something and she has to go look at it and it's the Hydra smasher. And apparently there's somebody inside yeah. of it. So is this supposed to be like the version of winter soldier? Essentially, do they just freeze them in the Hydra smasher all the time? That would be my guess. That seems to be the, the logical explanation, but. Because if he just sits in there, that dude would be super old by now. Yeah, no, there has to be something else. Unless there's just a different person in there. Like, Oh, yeah, it'll be some swerve and be like, oh, no, it's not Steve at all. Yeah. That would Somebody be even funnier. Just a 102-year-old Steve. It's time to boot Scootin Boogie. It is getting harder for, like, these stories that are contingent upon World War II for them to have any, like present day relevance for stuff it's like yeah it's difficult comic book stuff it's nice and easy for when it was just captain america because you know you can mm. just justify that with the frozen you can just keep them frozen longer but it's a uh, yeah it's bu- anything else that involves bucky. World War II, it's just too far ago yeah, bucky peggy zola all this stuff mm-hmm. red skull 
Although he technically lives in this weird netherworld now, I guess. Yeah, it's convenient, but it's uh, yeah, it's it's like that with everything. <laughs> and they try to update it, but when you update it to different wars, it's gets more complicated and messy. Mm-hmm. World War Two was so convenient because it was just. <laughs> Just like the world's worst ever bad guys. And they're like, look at us. Look at how evil we are. We're like, good. Everyone can just punch you and feel fine about it. Uh, I don't know. Anything else about this episode? No, it was a pretty good wrap up. Yeah. yeah. I, I felt uh, it felt rushed to me. It felt like and this has been my problem with a lot of the Disney Plus stuff is it just feels like it's happening way too quick. And considering the impact it could have on the universe. It, it's just flying by, if that makes sense. Um, I felt that way with Loki quite a bit, and I feel it here. Yeah, weirdly, even though they're telling like four-hour, five-hour long stories, they're still uh, still like cramming too much in. Yeah, yeah, like almost like like especially with the what if. It's like, well, if the if these aren't standalone stories, then do we need them all, or could it just be all about gathering up this team? And do we need the backstory at all? Not that I didn't enjoy getting it, but we could spend more time on, like more time on explaining all this stuff, more time on the primary story rather than these backup stories, if that makes sense. I don't know. I don't know. I know they've already greenlit it for another season, so. Uh, Oh, I was excited to see that uh, somehow the uh, zombie... uh, episode still factored into this in a little way it was a little random <laughs> but you're gonna tell me that pouring a universe worth of zombies on top of a super powerful ultron wouldn't be a good uh, deterrent i really thought whenever nice that happened that spider-man was gonna come swinging at or at least uh ant-man's head yeah that was also a waste we didn't get the return of <laughs> scott lang's head It's always next season. Please remember to replace the speaker on the post when you leave the theater. And now, folks, it's time to say goodnight. We sincerely appreciate your patronage and hope we've succeeded in bringing you an enjoyable evening of entertainment. Please drive home carefully and come back again soon. Good night. Good night.